Our first speaker is Michael Hake, who has worked in local government for over 40 years and um, has done a lot of work on safeguarding uh, vulnerable people. Um, and he is not, has also been a commissioner on health, the Healthcare Commission. And he's going to talk to you first, and then he's going to be followed by John Bangs from Surrey County Council, who was one of Surrey County Council was one of the key partners in the Action for Carers and Employment project. And I have to say, I think it was largely due to John's pushing um, and very strong support that Surrey was such a key partner in that work. So I'll do the, those introductions now and leave them to say anything else they want to themselves. Um, uh, this is a session in two parts. Um, I'm going to give you uh, uh, an overview of the ADAS position. Just to confirm, ADAS is a professional body. It is not a delivery organisation. Uh, we, we are here to influence um, uh, what goes on and to provide support to directors of adult social services uh, in the discharge of their responsibilities. Um, what John's going to do is to say, and I think it's probably um, uh, very important that we get to, to what happens locally. So uh, to uh, kick off, um, the first thing is, and it's always encouraging when a lawyer says something um, that, that uh, you're going to say, um, carers aren't part of the protected characteristics. One of the aims of ADAS was that they might be, that that should be considered. We certainly welcome the uh, Sharon Coleman um, uh, decision and the inclusion of, of those provisions on discrimination by association uh, in the bill. I have to say, um, I don't actually find the, the, the legal bits of the bill easiest to read, and that's one of our concerns, and it was very encouraging that there's going to be uh, a lot of government action to communicate in very simple terms uh, what people's uh, rights are. But we do believe the other protected characteristics and the socio-economic duty will be of benefit to carers, uh, in particularly around age and gender. Uh, but, of course, the bill comes in in phases. Um, it starts in October 2010. Um, the equality duty is 2011, as I understand it, and the age discrimination or equalities provisions are 2012. So it's a, it's a long haul. So we're very much uh, at the start of a journey. And one of the things that bother us uh, about the equalities uh, uh, agenda uh, is that we actually don't have uh, the common national definition of a carer that the national strategy suggested we, we needed. And that seems to me, if you're actually going to have um, a legal framework, it is to be fairly fundamental. We do have legal definitions, of course, in, in legislation already. Um, there are concerns about continuing public confusion about the term carer. It's all very well giving people rights, but unless they recognise themselves as falling uh, within the category of a carer or understand what those rights are, um, it is difficult to advance them. And as Harriet Harman said recently, millions are still unaware uh, of the fact that uh, there are flexible working rights for carers, although research has shown that where carers actually ask about uh, such issues, 91% uh, uh, find they get a, a positive uh, response. And principally, this is an issue for women, and I would suggest also probably for older women who make up many of the carers uh, in society. Um, and, uh, you know, they will experience tensions, as we all experience as carers, uh, between our duties to our employer, our duties uh, to the person we care for, uh, and our duty to look after ourselves. And those aren't easy. 
Um, so people may have rights, but will they actually feel empowered to exercise those rights? And that's where carer centres and so on have a very important role to play, uh, in our view, uh, in supporting uh, awareness. Uh, the association uh, favours a rights-based approach uh, to this issue. We want to raise awareness uh, of existing rights, and, and it's been encouraging that uh, we've received messages about that this morning. Um, we want to see genuine choices around caring and paid employment for people, and we will be encouraging um, uh, uh, good employment practice, uh, and we see public service boards, they're the people who, who implement uh, local area agreements, uh, as perhaps a vehicle for encouraging good employment practice across public sector uh, organisations. Um, ADAS has also been involved in um, the age equality and health and social care materials, uh, the latest bit of which was issued um, earlier this week by the Department of Health, uh, and that builds on work in the southwest uh, in which ADAS was closely uh, involved. Um, we also see the provisions of the bill having um, relevance to the areas we believe work is still needed on. In our submission uh, on the national strategy, we, we express concern about financial inequalities if you're a carer and the cost of caring. Um, uh, we would like to see those addressed and believe that the Equalities Bill will help uh, deliver uh, uh, that agenda. Uh, we also have continuing concerns about health inequalities arising from caring, and, and we're looking to see if we can do more uh, in terms of awareness on those issues. But above all, we want to see greater equality around life choices and outcomes. Uh, and here the work of, of, of CSEI and more recently CQC in the performance framework for local authorities has been helpful. Uh, and uh, Denise Platt rightly pointed out that uh, the employment dimension uh, of that is an area where there's still more to be done. Um, and finally, I think we want to look at uh, flexibility and security uh, about linking up equalities and the social care law review uh, that would be fundamentally important in our view, and it may well offer us a basis for tackling definitional issues and equalities issues uh, by um, recognising the close links that exist between the two. But that's an area where the lawyers have much more uh, probably to say uh, than, than someone uh, like uh, myself. Uh, and the sort of model we're looking at for the future is one I hope you would recognise. Um, uh, within the transformation agenda uh, that ADAS is closely associated uh, with, um, we want to join up services around needs to work um, holistically, to look at things like equality impact assessments. Uh, Tim Amphiligoff is leading a session this afternoon. He's, he's on the reference group, uh, and John is going to be saying something about uh, that as well. We don't see that as a mechanistic device. We actually see it as an important policy uh, opportunity uh, to build things in from the beginning rather than bolt them on. Uh, we want to see greater involvement of carers, uh, in the delivery of personalised support to meet needs uh, around choice, control and manage risks and we've actually produced a, a carer's quality of life model for, for discussion um, and we really want to be aware uh, and have a bit of reality in all this um, uh, the Equalities Bill is the start of the journey it's not the end of it um, it promises a lot of um, secondary legislation a lot of guidance, we're starting to see that so if you have bookshelves, create space because you're going to need it uh, as this agenda moves forward. And ADAS looks to playing uh, a, a full part in shaping the guidance uh, and uh, influencing uh, what happens. Um, and finally, um, which I should really have said first, um, 
Graham Betts was meant to do this session. Unfortunately, he's got a, a key budget meeting, so you've got me. Um, but in case you're wondering, uh, you know, how far does this um, reflect the policy position of, of ADAS? It is our intention to produce a further policy briefing, probably in the new year, around the Equalities Bill and our broad stance on it. Uh, and uh, I hope that what I've had to say is broadly <coughs> reflective of, of the content of, of, of that document and will offer you encouragement that we see the issue as an important one uh, and to be taken forward over the next uh, years. Now over to John. I, I wanted to just start by picking up on this issue about the finances. And we are going into a difficult period which will make this stuff more difficult to do than if it had happened 10 years ago. I'm sure that's true. But actually, you know, I mean, I think some, it's very easy to get caught up in journalists' hyperbole. I remember hearing Channel 4 News a few months ago saying the economy had collapsed, and I thought, well, yeah, but you said it collapsed last week, and the, I actually just walked through the town centre, and there wasn't a riot going on. And I also heard yesterday on the radio, uh, I will get onto my slides in a minute, a, a song... <laughs> From by Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush. I don't know if you remember it. It was called Don't Give Up, and it was about the heartache of a couple struggling with unemployment. In the 90s, unemployment was a million more than it is now or likely to get. This recession is not as bad as the 1990s recession. Yes, it will pose us problems, and it's nothing like the 30s. It just isn't. So let's not get carried away by journalistic claptrap. <laughs> Does, does, can this stuff make a difference? Well, there'd be all sorts of interesting opportunities for, for lawyers to sue local authorities and primary care trusts and so on, and no doubt if, if a good test case happens, it could be helpful. But this stuff actually primarily isn't about that. It's actually about changing views in society and behaviour in society. We're meeting in London. London is now one of the most diverse and cosmopolitan countries, cities in the world. In the 1950s, it was a racist hellhole. People could put up signs in their windows saying no black people. And it was not only not illegal, it was socially acceptable to do so in many communities. I mean, that was appalling, wasn't it, in this supposedly wonderful liberal country? Now, yes, there is still racism in London, but it is a different place to live, and part of that has been underpinned by the law as being a lever to help achieve social change. It won't do it of itself, but it will help, and it can do this for carers, in my view. Equality impact assessments are going to be really important, I think. We're all familiar with them. They can be quite tedious at times when someone says, have you done, you're just going to do someone, and someone says, have you done the equality impact assessment? And you think, oh. but actually, if they're done properly um, to, in, in a good way and actually involve, for example, disabled people, you will get, get better outcomes from them. And because of the... Um, equality impact uh, because of the uh, legislation going to include indirect discrimination against disabled people which does affect carers has been uh, identified and because of 
associative discrimination, that process will quite simply have to include carers. And if not, you're leaving yourself open to be being sued and having your decisions found to be unlawful. And I, I was expecting to have a bit of a tussle with, about this in Surrey, to be honest, but we got a new equalities lead and they came along to our adult services equality thing as part of their induction and they said, oh, um, we've got to review our equalities scheme because, you know, they're timed when you're next going to do it. And I said, well, are you going to anticipate the equalities bill? And she said, well, I suppose we should do, shouldn't we? Because we don't want to have to do it twice. Um, and I mentioned carers. And she said, well, we might as well make them explicit so people don't forget. And that was it. It was sorted. I think, actually, if you think about it, it will save people work and time to actually treat um, carers as a defined group on the form, because otherwise you'll forget, well, you, we wouldn't, but people will forget, and then the council or the health authority will find itself in difficulties. Interestingly, the Care Quality Commission are doing this, and um, I know there's some of them sitting at the back, but inspectors are crafty things, and one of the reasons they're doing this is they can give a lead and then they can check up on whether we've done it. So I think that's actually a good message to... to and actually, I think, to, to be serious, I think it is really very powerful that CQC are giving a lead in this way. And I think it, it's a good bit of ammunition as to why we should copy it. So we will have to demonstrate that carers have been included. There have been a number of court cases where decisions have been set aside because of it. Um, with carers' assessments, recent ombudsman decision against the London borough that said not doing them properly is maladministration. But also, if you don't, if we, if one doesn't do do a carers' assessment and then the carer suffers harm, there is the potential to be sued under this scheme. Exactly how will pan out? But uh, we shouldn't be putting our councils in a situation where we're inviting ourselves to become the test case. Um, <clears throat> Association can cut in both ways. <coughs> I mean, we, we recently looked at how we were supporting carers of different user groups. And actually, the um, consultant, the equalities consultant we had said, well, actually, if you were to substantially fail to help one group of carers against the others. That's actually, the association goes back and they said, well, that actually indirectly discriminates against the disabled people. And so um, that, that will become very clear when there's indirect discrimination. If you were to fail, for example, to support mental health carers, that could be held to be indirect discrimination against disabled people with a mental health condition. We also need to ensure that equality impact assessments are undertaken around personalisation and self-directed support, and that does need to include carers. And there's going to be a new um, guide issued on the carers' new website about this on, in the next day or three, which I urge people to read. The performance agenda, you've heard about that. I think it's worth remembering the outcome and performance characteristics that we already have. CSCI produced them, Care Quality Commission are still using them, include carers throughout. 
if we include carers in an inequality impact assessment, it's actually a very good piece of evidence to include in the self-assessment survey, which is a, a tedious document. Some of you are nodding that we have to fill in um, regularly. They're going to ask um, the... Uh, CQC are going to ask health more questions about carers in the future. We heard that from Barbara, and I'm sure that's most welcome. Um, Madeline will possibly say more about employment, but the fact that um, you mustn't associatively discriminate against carers actually turns what are relatively procedural or soft rights, as lawyers sometimes refer to them, into hard rights. So you, you, will, you will actually not just have to show that you followed the procedure, but that you didn't discriminate against the carer in making a decision. Um, all of this means we need to give more focus on carers in our local economic plans and there's great opportunities, new work with the DWP who have got uh, care partnership managers who dedicated workers on carers now. There's the opportunity to make sure that, I mean, the, these equality impact assessments can really help the carers' leads locally in being triggers to um, get other agencies to... Um, uh, uh, consider carers' issues and carers' centres and carers' organisations can use them as local levers to say, have you done an inequality impact assessment and have you included carers? Because if they haven't, they can be sued or have their decision set aside, as we've said. And this would apply if, a, if an acute trust is... Um, reviewing its hospital discharge procedure, reviewing a children's plan, refreshing the local strategic plans, the local area agreements. On young carers, um, not supporting disabled parents to look after their children is discrimination, isn't it? And it actually just reinforces uh, what Putting People First said about the need to support family units that, so they don't undertake unreasonable levels of caring. And we need to develop um, a, a similar approach with Ofsted, the children's regulators, along the lines of the discussions we're having with CQC. And interestingly, also, there's opportunities to, which the Care Quality Commission have raised very helpfully to look at how we tie together um, the rights that people have with the Human Rights Act. All, all of these rights uh, can apply to carers and uh, if we can find ways of tying these things together, if we can use equality impact assessments as, as planning tools to help us involve users and carers and we can use them as part of the performance framework, we're not creating more work for ourselves, we're just tying things up, which in fact, hopefully, will make all the processes more powerful. Just about. Thank you very much. Thank you.